You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Hey investors, Bradley here from Watson Estates, and you're listening to the largest, fastest growing podcast for Toronto real estate on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Now we like to do regular market updates, keep in the loop with what's going on here in Toronto and GTA, but you know what? Why invest in residential if you can just kind of throw it out the window and go all the way to commercial multifamily apartment? I know you're probably like, I can't do that, Bradley. I just can't do it. You can you really can. And our guest today, Mark Baltazar, I'm really excited to share with you our conversation, talking about what that could look like, how to grow. This is a fantastic opportunity to enter the multifamily space. And so we have a great chat. He's the winner of the Real Estate Investment Network's Top Player of the Year Award in 2017. He also has $20 million assets under management and is co-host of the Canadian Multifamily Investing Podcast, which I am also an avid listener I know you guys are going to get a ton. We talk about the market, the commercial multifamily market, and how to choose a property. What does that look like? I want you guys to feel confident because I know that this process has worked for me. I know a lot of you are feeling like you're maybe in that position where you're ready to jump from residential into commercial, or maybe some of you are just like, let's just go straight for the commercial jugular. <laughs> now, if you guys could, please hit the like, subscribe button, and leave us a comment, especially if you have a question, any questions for Mark down below. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Thanks for joining us on the show. Great. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me. Excited to uh, be on and and chat. Fantastic. Now, for anyone who's just tuning in, Mark is a familiar face in the commercial multifamily apartment space, and so that's going to be what we've covered today. I want to get a little bit more into some of the markets, uh, but before we go anywhere, can you maybe tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get into into this arena? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I've been investing in real estate for six, so six years, just a little over six years. Uh, my previous background, so I spent a lot of time um, in, in the corporate space first, strategic planning, uh, research insights, and then uh, uh, was a part of a, a marketing research company based out of Toronto, did some cool analytics for some very well-known brands uh, in Canada and around the world. So that kind of really honed my, my strategic, you know, analysis and uh, analytics skills, uh, but I always had, you know, real estate in mind at some point I needed, you know, wanted to invest first. Um, so I started investing six or so years ago and then realized that, you know what, I think this could be a good, you know, lifelong, you know, career one, because it's, you know, you're doing it for yourself, but also it allowed me to, I mean, coming from the consulting space, traveling around the world and, you know, spending a lot of time away from home, I found that, or at least thought that real estate was going to be my way to kind of spend more time with family. I mean, it has been, it has been, I mean, still working hard, but able to do it a little more locally. So six years down the road now, you've been doing this for a little while. So what does your portfolio look like now? And maybe tell us a little bit about Peak Multifamily, the company you run. Yeah, sure. So start, so I've done probably about 30 flips, like single family house flips. Um, I had a portfolio of duplexes, a tri, uh, triplexes, a fourplex. I've sold almost all of those now. I have a duplex left that's uh, conditionally sold. So that will be gone soon too. And shifted kind of my resources into apartment buildings. So we'll have five apartment buildings right now um, in the you know Ontario market. Um, still do flips. You know, I enjoy, I enjoy it. Not, not as, 
the volume is not as great as it was before. A couple just, you know, it's interesting. I like the, I like the idea of converting things from old into new. Um, and it keeps it, you know, keep some cash flow going and, uh, again, have the, have the system and the, and the network to continue doing that type of work. Um, but I'd say four or so years ago, kind of, you know, started to dig into commercial real estate a little bit more, uh, the, you know, the, the light bulb essentially went off for me in that, again, uh, you know, I was, a, I was a business owner, you know, grew a firm from 30, uh, three to 30 people, uh, you know, like the business side of things and, and found that the commercial real estate uh, you know, space was more like running a business and that mainly is that the, the assets valued on income um, or businesses, whereas single family, not so much. Right. And so I found that moving into that space was kind of operating your own little independent businesses. And so I really enjoyed that and felt like I had more control over the valuation of, of these assets. And then, um, you know, after, after the first two buildings kind of partnered with my current partner now, we built, you know, started building a brand around what we're doing and, you know, helping people get into the space as well through education and, and uh, working with, uh, with partners to grow their portfolio as well. Yeah. So was the way you analyzed the deal the primary reason for jumping into multifamily? Are there other reasons that you kind of burned the ships on the residential side and went both feet in on commercial? Um, yeah, so I think so, yeah, a couple things. So control over the valuation is one. Um, the scale, so also scalability, right? So I think there's you know economies of scale when you know you're dealing with a, an asset that has 20, 20 units versus two. Um, you know allows you to do some more things. I think you know vacancies or tenant turnover and such become less uh, less of an issue. I think when dealing with commercial. Um, you can also scale up your portfolio a little bit quicker, at least from um, from a unit standpoint. And you can still do very, you can still do similar strategies. So, for example, many people are familiar with the Burr strategy. Well, you can do that in apartment buildings too. It just takes a little bit longer. You're pulling out more money, um, and so the similar, you know, methodologies uh, concepts can be applied in commercial. I just find that the the bang for your buck is a little bit bigger. Right. Right. So I think this actually is maybe a good point because so you've done the graduation model, right? You start with residential, you graduate into commercial, but your program and as well as other ones, I know many other coaches doing it too, but you have a fantastic program of teaching people that you don't necessarily need to start in the residential space. So we're going to get a little bit more into how you identify the markets and the properties mm-hmm. and all of that fun stuff. But I want to start here because I think a lot of people are just, I don't want them to tune you out and think, you know what, he's in commercial, he's too big for me because it's simply not true. Maybe explain uh, whether it's through your course or through a lot of the, co- the one-on-one coaching you do with people, how convince me that whether if I have no experience in real estate that I can get into commercial multifamily apartments. Sure, sure. It's a great, it's a great challenge. So um, in fact, it started, so about a year ago, we started a podcast as well about multifamily investing in Canada. And the impetus, the, the objective of that podcast was just to bring a little more awareness to the asset class and also just to show that you know everyday people like you and i can get into it and have started somewhere and so a lot of the topics that we talk about you know we're you know we're talking to seasoned investors as well as new investors and how they how they started um and and what we found was that regard you know whether they were in real estate before or they're just starting fresh because people do start into multifamily without starting in any other real estate uh was a mindset it was a mindset block Right. So it was, you know, it's too big. It's too much money. The mistakes are larger. And it's true. You know, it is 
larger. The mistakes can be a little more painful, but it all comes down to a mindset. And so what we teach in our program, so it's a 10 step blueprint to buying multifamily. It starts with, and, and, and you don't, you know, this step one isn't just for real estate or multifamilies for everything you do. And it's really understanding your why and your objectives. So designing your life, what do you want to achieve in five, 10, 15, 20 years? And then real estate's just a tool. Like no one really, I, I think no one really wants to, you know, no one really cares about the bricks and mortar, to be honest, right? It's it's just a means and it's a tool to get to, you know, a, a life goal or a life dream. And so anchored with that, that drive, uh, then, then we show people how to partner, how to find the right teammates, how to build, uh, you know, a network, a, a power team to, you know, execute or buy, you know, whether that's finding money partners, whether that's finding people who can operate, whether that's finding, you know, the proper lawyers, accountants or realtors to, to help. I think anyone with a drive can build, you know, a network and a team around you. Um, you know, everyone has certain skills. It's just identifying what those are, identifying what your gaps are, and then, you know, filling them with, with proper team members. And so, you know, it, you know, for those that want to try to go into multifamily and don't have other real estate experience, well, you obviously have, you know, some drive and you have, you know, you know, intellectual capacity to think about, you know, this space partner with someone who's done that already. Right. So, you know, there's so many ways to, to get there. And, And that's actually what I love about real estate too, is that it's so creative. I used to think before getting into the space, it's just buying and selling properties, whether it's land or buildings or houses, and it's very boring, right? It's just transactional. But as you get further into it, it's a very creative space. There's so many ways to slice and dice a deal. Like you and I could be looking at the exact same deal, but come up with different numbers because our approach is different, right? So it's, you know, it's very creative, very exciting. And so I think, yeah, you know, anyone, anyone can absolutely get into it if they're driven enough. And that is true. I know that's true because I've got a good friend of mine. I'll give him a shout. His name's Herbert. And um, he's been just, he recently jumped into the multifamily space. And mm-hmm. I was on a call with him yesterday and he was, he was laughing and he's like, never in my, never in my life would I have thought I'd be submitting an offer on a $3 million apartment. And he, and he is. And so it is absolutely possible and you just need to create it as a business in a lot of the ways that you've described. So yeah. for people who are in Ontario, the market is naturally working against them. Can you dive into the difference? Because I know, at least from my perspective, I've seen out of province, I've seen a lot of the the, the differences we were, I know we were talking on before the show about some of the things that even deals that we both kind of run into. What does the Ontario commercial multifamily apartment space look like right now? So it's very competitive. Um, so, you know, talking to other investors that have been in the space for 20, 20 years or more, even, you know, they're seeing that there's just more, more demand, more people coming into the space. And so, um, for operators such as us, operators being those that are acquiring these assets, it is becoming tougher, you know, similar to what you're seeing in the single family space in, again, in Ontario, you know, multiple offers, you know, bidding wars, <laughs> that too is happening in commercial multifamily. It's kind of, you know, crazy to think about, but that, that's what's happening. And so there's this heightened demand for this asset class. And I think uh, the heightened demand is being driven by a few different things. Um, real estate in general, um, you know, being driven by lower interest rates, right? So the cost of getting into these assets, at least from a financing standpoint, has dropped significantly. You know, interest rates are, I mean, we purchased a building uh, six months ago at an interest rate of, you know, 2%, 
right? Um, a refinance of, of less than 2%. So, you know, the, the cost to borrow is so low. And, and so these higher mortgages, you know, make it appealing. The other thing that I think is happening, again, not an economist, but just by observation, is that other asset classes in real estate, such uh, commercial real estate, such as you know re retail, um, you know industrials doing well, but office space. So office space and retail are both taking a fairly significant hit right now, and so investors are moving their capital into much stabler classes of real estate. You know, multifamily has always been known as that recession-proof asset class. Everyone need you know people need a home here in Ontario, at least, we've, we have a housing shortage. So demand is high, supply is low, you know, economics 101 creates, you know, this upward pressure in rents. Investors like that because that, you know, money in their pocket. So I think there's a few different things that are happening. And I think also you mentioned at the beginning, there's this graduation that's happening. You know, there's a lot of people that have, you know, been in single family and have been doing, you know, that strategy for a little while. And have also, I think, realized that, you know, what, instead of buying, you know, 15 single families in a year or 10 or whatever kind of level you're at, let me just buy one building every year or every two years, and I'm probably going to hit the same numbers, right, with a little less work. So I think there's a, a confluence of a whole bunch of different factors, but I think the economy is a, is a big part of it. And I think that's, it's interesting because on our show, we talk a lot about residential and we see that in markets where there's tightness, you know, the supply and demand imbalance, there's a natural expectation the next year or two prices are going to go up in those markets. And from what I'm seeing in the commercial space, it is hot. And hot. so if that's any indication yeah. of the next year or two, it's not a reason to be concerned or not go into it. It's a reason why so many people are going into it. It's actually a draw for a lot of people. It also is a call out to the government to say, Hey, we need more of this, right? Like yeah. there's people willing to pick these up. We just got to get them built. And a lot of yeah. builders are stepping into that role and yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the supply, the supply side, the supply side, and so supply being the number of units, number of rental units in a market hasn't really grown much since the seventies, right? So we had a big influx of, uh, you know, purpose-built rental units, and then it kind of didn't really go anywhere for a long time. 2016-17, you know, there was the intent of larger developers to build uh, purpose-built rental units, but then when the um, uh, in Ontario the allowable rent increases dropped to 1.8 percent, that you know that had impacts on the economic models of some of the larger builder uh, larger players, and so they pulled out of some of their deals. And so supply hasn't really changed much. So I think there is an opportunity one for those. I mean, we offer, we we buy existing, turn them over. Uh, re-rent them, you know, make them, you know, nicer than what they, what they were. Uh, but there's a big opportunity, I think, from a development standpoint. I agree. I agree. So there's, I guess, three types of listings that you have for people that are looking for deals. You've got the off-market stuff, which is like cowboys, cowboys and rangers. You've got <laughs> the exclusive stuff, which is based on the network within the province that you're operating in. And it's a pretty niche community. And then you've got on-market. How, mm -hmm. how do you approach those three different arenas with your deals? Sure. Um, so so we, we actually just presented something very, just to, you know, people that are entering just to give them the scope of where deals are coming from. Um, so off market being essentially off market, you're, you're going directly to the seller. Now to do that, you typically have to engage in some sort of uh, seller marketing, right? So, or, you know, you have to contact them in some way. Um, now, 
compared to single family owners, owners of buildings may be a little more savvy from a business standpoint. I mean, they've been running a business and so you can get to them, but you know, the, the deal flow is, is let's say low. Um, it exists if you can get a hold of one, great. Um, MLS, you know, in contrast to single family, the deal flow, again, I can speak in Ontario only, it's also fairly low. Um, and, and the main reason is, or a couple of reasons for that is that building owners don't like to put their uh, properties on the MLS for a couple of reasons. One, they don't want people showing up their, their buildings, right, um, you know, without notice. Sometimes they don't want their tenants to know that they're selling the building, right? It's kind of a private thing. Um, and so, and so that comes in, so now exclusive broker. So that, that essentially is where you've hired a real, so it's still a realtor that's, you know, uh, engaging in the deal or, um, you know, acting as the uh, representative in the deal, but they're, they're using their database to sell it. So they're not putting on the open market. Um, it is kind of, it's still considered on market or listed. It's just being marketed to, exclusively to those that are, you know, most likely, more likely going to buy. And so, you know, that source of deals, you know, as, as a purchaser, as someone who acquires, you need to have good relationships with those brokers um, because you're, you know, you may, you know, they're only going to send it to those that they think are going to close the deals. Um, and they don't want, especially in a hot market right now, where there's a lot of people trying to get access to deals, they're only going to deal with a few people and they don't want to, they don't want deals to get tied up um, for an unnecessary amounts of time. Right. Which can happen too. That's right. So when you're choosing a market then, because I know you guys are in Ontario, what are some of the key things that you focus on and saying, this is a good one, this is not a good one? Are there different mm -hmm. metrics you're using or how, how are you selecting those areas? Yeah. So uh, we have a scorecard that we use um, that, you know, ranks, ranks markets. I mean, we've been in Hamilton and Barrie is where we are now, St. Catharines. Um, but because of the, you know, because demand is so high, we are looking uh, in other markets as well. And so we look at, first and foremost, uh, the economic fundamentals. Um, so is GDP growing uh, in that market? If GDP is growing, jobs are typically growing. There's economic, you know, activity economic activity is good because it provides jobs, it provides income and income can support rents. So just, you know, again, just looking at the fundamentals of, 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 of um, rental demand, population growth. So is it growing? I mean, now we're in a state where nothing's really growing, but you know, had, was it growing prior to, you know, the pandemic and is it a place, uh, is it a region where people tend to migrate towards? Cause again, you know, population equals customers equals higher demands for rent. Um, market, like, so now getting into local areas, you know, if it's, if it's near transit, some sort of transit system, that's, you know, that gets kind of an extra check mark for us because again, uh, it's more demand uh, and people are paying to, uh, willing to pay higher rents in areas that have transit. So um, those are the, those are the main things. Um, also population size has to be, you know, typically, you know, we're not looking at any market right now. I don't think populations under a hundred thousand, 120,000. We, we, we're not into smaller markets. Um, you know, at least at the moment, that's been our strategies to stay into, um, you know, larger you know, cities, essentially. Is there yeah. a reason for that, that you focus on larger cities instead of small stuff? Um, so uh, mainly it's, so demand, so rental demand. 
Um, can, can we scale in that market? Meaning, are there other buildings that we can buy? So if we go into a market, we don't want to buy one building. We want to buy multiple buildings just from a scale standpoint. Um, also, you know, in, again, in times of, you know, economic uncertainty, the more, the more boxes we can check from an economic fundamental, so GDP, population growth, um, uh, you know, transit system, it, it, pr it provides kind of almost like an insular layer of, of protection for your assets. So the more things we can do, the better. Um, not to say that smaller markets aren't good investment strategies. Typically, you can buy, you know, they're producing at a higher cap rate. Um, the markets we're in, we're buying at a lower cap rate and, you know, improving them. So, um, so that's, that's, what, that's what we're focused on right now. And okay, great. So when we're looking at properties, what, when you're seeing the building, so you like the market, now you're looking at the building, what are some of the things that you first in that kind of checklist look at to just identify if it's a, a potential one or not? Sure. Uh, purpose built. So, you know, is it a building that was built originally purposely for rentals? Because sometimes, you know, you do see, you know, 10 unit or 12 units that may be a large kind of house or mansion that was chopped up into different rooms. We typically stay away from those. Um, so purpose built, you know, uh, concrete, you know, stick framing sometimes, but, you know, brick exterior, again, durable. Uh, typically the stuff we're buying, you know, they're 40 to 50 years old or so. Um, it's, it's, it looks worn. Right, it looks dated. It looks like it hasn't been, you know, been very little upkeep, and and by its by that very nature, typically rents are low. So from a financial standpoint, the rents are low. So the rents are, you know, forty to sixty percent lower than what they should be for that area, and for us, that's ideal because then it allows us to apply our systematic approach to improvement. Um, now, those are you know, becoming harder to, to come by because as you mentioned, demand, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good way to generate ROI fairly quickly. Um, and because of that, you know, there's a lot of eyes on those types of properties. Yeah. And I know based on speaking with you too, you're doing a lot of joint venture partnerships strategically. So I'm curious because we've had guests on the show that are more focused on, you know what, I can maybe borrow the funds or I can just kind of do it myself. And maybe they're, mm -hmm. they're playing more in the residential space, but why, why joint venture? Why has that been a business model that you guys have stuck to since beginning in commercial apartments? Yeah. I mean, uh, so we have two buildings on our own, myself and my partner, without kind of uh, capital partners. Uh, it becomes a scale issue. It becomes a scale, you know, so the more we have, the more efficiently we can run um, operations. You know, we're looking at, we have a marketing person already in-house. We're looking to bring property management in-house. So number of units allows us to optimize the business uh, from a scale standpoint. And so in order to do that at the speed that we want to do that and buy at the speed we want to buy at, then we're partner, you know, we partner with people to do so. Gotcha. All right. So I want to definitely be able to speak about your masterclass you got online um, available to people. And I just, I thought, you know what, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the program, but also share with us one or two golden nuggets from that and what people could expect for the program, things that they need to know if they were interested in multifamily. Sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, so we just, uh, so just this past weekend, we just did a 15 hour, 15 plus, I think it was more, so 16 hours of training um, over two days. And so it's a 10 step process. And essentially what we're, I mean, 
we're, we're not talking conceptual. We're basically just teaching people what we've gone through and what we go through today. So we're active operators in the space and we're just showing, you know, we're, we can only talk about our own experiences. And um, so a couple of key nuggets, I think the big, so, you know, we, we have a feedback survey at the end just to kind of, you know, get a gauge of what worked and what didn't from a content standpoint. And um, surprisingly interesting that, you know, you hear, you know, talks about goal setting and really understanding your why and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, at first, so that's part of our process. That's kind of step one out of the 10 steps, that's step one. And when Mike and I developed the kind of 10 step process, we talked, you know, we talked about doing that and we thought, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of talk about that. Do we really need to do that? And we decided to do so. And, and the way we structure that conversation and those kind of tools that we provide to really clarify your why is we tie it back to a building or, a, you know, the purchase of a building. So if you purchase a building, so you, first of all, you need to understand your, your why and, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, what your end goals are. And then it's about, okay, well, what is, what is the, an apartment building going to help you do, right? And if it doesn't, if the apartment building doesn't help you do that or the market doesn't help you do that, then you don't go into it. Right. And so it becomes a, a, a very critical filter, um, helps you filter who your team members are, which market you go into, what cap rate you buy, at, what size you buy. It. So it becomes a foundation of everything. And so um, the, the eye opening thing for us was that there were, you know, most people, everyone is actually receptive to that idea is that, yeah, you know what, I, I need to I need to anchor my end goal into 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 an apartment building if that's a strategy you're going to take right so it should dictate exactly what you're buying and where so that was kind of insight number one is that there's still a lot of kind of validity in having that why and goal setting conversation um just when you thought it was beat to death it, it seems like it hasn't been and that's so true um in all honesty uh, as when you bring on a coach that's a really good place to start because you might think i i know from my experience too like I've heard from many coaches, but once you're starting to work with a coach by going through that process, they actually tackle it from different angles. So I, I don't, I think you would be leaving a lot out by not covering what that mm -hmm. why is because we're, first of all, we should be constantly analyzing it, but also from yeah. a, your perspective, right? Right. Specific to commercial apartments. It, it takes on its own form in any venture that we yeah. take on. So I think that's great. Yeah. And we do, you know, we do that. Um, so we also, you know, in, when we engage with uh, capital partners, it's, we ask the same question, you know, why, why are you investing in this? Right. Cause some, you know, sometimes there isn't a fit, right. Um, you know, for those that are looking for instant cash flow, you know, from day one and would rather have cash flow today and trade off larger ROI in the future, then, you know, our projects right now aren't the right fit. And we need to know that upfront. Right. Um, and some people are okay with trading off, you know, larger ROIs in the future and not kind of take the income today because they have, you know, a job today or they're doing other strategies. So no matter who we engage with, that conversation has to happen because, you know, again, it's, you know, if you're buying on your own, you're going into a project for five plus years. If we're partnering with someone, that's a five plus year, you know, engagement as well. So that's, you know, that conversation happens with whoever, you know, anyone we're connecting with and partnering with. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's been a helpful, uh, conversation opener and, and you're right, you know, from there, then we determine what the, you know, what the, the strategy is going to be. 
Now, for anyone who's kind of just dabbling in this for the first time, I would encourage you guys to find Mark online. Mark is a heavy lifter in the multifamily space here in Ontario. Mark, can you share with us a few of the platforms where you share content? Because I know you've got incredible sources of info that I've been able to connect to personally. Can you share cool. where people can find you? Yeah. Um, so on our website, peakmultifamily.ca, I mean, we we are doing regular webinars. And again, we're just sharing what we're doing and, uh, you know, what the struggles we come across and the learnings on the deals that we're doing and, you know, operations and financing and all that. So peakmultifamily.ca, you can, there's webinars and content there that you can check out. And if you're interested in our next round of, um, you know, teachings and masterclass, then that will be up there as well. Beautiful. And your podcast. I can't forget that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we, we do uh, publish a podcast and again, it's dedicated to uh, specifically multifamily. And so if you're you know wanting to learn about the process, what happens, how deals happen, how they get financed, kind of the nuts and bolts of it, then check it out. The Canadian multifamily investing podcast. And that's, you know, on all the platforms and, uh, and then social, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm on so pretty active on social uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Awesome. Yeah, guys, please support Mark's channels wherever you kind of get your content. And if you could, even on this video, please hit the like, subscribe, uh, download the last five episodes, whatever it takes. Even share it on Instagram if you learn some stuff and motivate your friends. There's a lot of people running into the apartment space and we want, uh, yeah, there's plenty to go around, but we also, I, I love, I'll say this right out of the gate. Even though I'm here, I have no problem sharing the information. There is lots. I don't know the exact number, but there is a lot of units across Canada, so there's, there's plenty to go around. Absolutely. <laughs> there's Absolutely. room for all of us. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. Awesome. Thanks, Mark, for taking time, and we'll see you next time. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate having me on.